I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Matt Thompson. He is a runner. He's doing the Watermelon 100 Project. You may have seen me uh, share about it on my Instagram. Uh, it's fundraising for the Friends of the Sandias to continue you know, the work that they do in our wonderful mountain next to Albuquerque. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, my first question is, uh, how did you get into running? Um, so I was, I ran in high school, cross country and track, um, kind of middle distance. And I was okay, but never the uh, never the best runner on the team. I was usually the, the eighth man. So if someone got hurt or sick on varsity, maybe I would get to race um, on the varsity team. And then I went to the Air Force Academy for college and stayed fit because of that, but not really um, into running all that much. Uh, once I got out of there and started like my adult life, I guess I realized I needed something for fitness. So I started trying to run back in 2013, 2014 timeframe, um, and never, never really got into it. Um, until I found trail running when I was living in Montana back in 2014, 2015 and fell in love with it, signed up for my first trail marathon. It was like half trail, half roads and then just have never stopped and I've loved it ever since. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, where was your high school career? Like, where did you grow up? Uh, so I grew up in Cleveland, uh, okay. Northeast Ohio area, basically from when I was two until I went to college. And then I haven't really lived there since. I haven't really lived east of the Mississippi much in the last decade. So I'm actually moving back east, uh, which is one of the reasons for the project that I'm doing. Uh, but I'm moving to Washington, D.C. this summer. So finally going back east of the Mississippi. <laughs> How do you feel? It's a it's a little drier on this side, so, you know, depending where you're at. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten really used to the low humidity, beautiful weather, no overcast skies. Um, I've, I've been spoiled. I've lived in Colorado Springs, Montana, and Albuquerque for the last decade for the most part. So it's going to be rough going back to humidity and swamps and all that. Right. And I don't, I don't know how many trails there are out there. I haven't, I've never really been out there. So yeah, there's definitely, there are trails, but not like the big long complexes that we have or like, I'm probably not gonna be able to find a hundred miles of trails in my backyard. Like I'm <laughs> going to here. Um, so you're going to have to do a little bit more driving to find them, uh, but there's right. still good races on the East coast. There's some famous ones that I'm excited to do. The JFK 50 mile is one that comes to mind that some of my friends want from here want to go do just because it's so iconic so right i have heard about that one actually so that's 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 pretty amazing i'm obviously different and being able to try different things and um but yeah you you may not have the same uh elevation gain so close either <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not expecting to get you know four thousand foot climbs in dc i don't think there's any of those <laughs> So you mentioned, uh, obviously, that you uh, did the Air Force Academy and you're active Air Force right now, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm an instructor pilot in the Huey helicopter down here at Kirtland Air Force Base, and I've been doing that for the last four years. Um, and when I moved to D.C., I'll be continuing to fly the helicopters. So that's been my, my day job for the last 
eight years and hopefully for the next 10 to 12 uh, to make it to 20 years. Right. That's, that's fantastic. I can't, um, I, I've always kind of dreamed a little bit about getting a pilot's license, you know, more, more planes, but helicopters just seem so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I agree. Um, I'm a little biased. Um, but yeah, I've never flown much civilian side. It's all been military. Um, but whenever someone tells you that, I'm like, yeah, go do it. Like a bunch of my friends who fly helicopters have their own planes or fly, uh, like on the weekends and like, you know, take their wife up to Santa Fe or something, uh, just right. for fun. So it's, it's a good skill to have for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's partly like just, just that idea of just being able to take a, a flight like that, like just fun, just, you know, whether it's a short or even a little bit longer, it just sounds so much fun. <laughs> It's definitely different than taking a car ride somewhere. So yeah, <laughs> Although the, the the aircraft I fly basically flies the speed of a fast car. So sometimes it's just more efficient to drive. Unfortunately, right. <laughs> that that makes sense. <laughs> I, what made you? I guess you know I'm always curious about you know the the track of people take. What made you kind of go into the Air Force route? Um, so growing up, my aunt and uncle were both um, Air Force Academy graduates and they were, my aunt was deployed for Desert Storm back in the early 90s. Um, and my uncle spent some time working on that as well. And they moved around a bunch. So we got to see them in like Dayton and in New York. And then they moved to Minot and then they came back to DC. Um, so I just saw that and I thought it was cool. And then my dad had some friends who helped out at the local air show and helped run the, the air show in Cleveland. And so I got like kind of the behind the scenes ticket to like go see some of the extra planes and meet some of the people. And as a young kid, that's just so cool to experience. Um, right. And my, they both went, my aunt and uncle both went to the academy. And so I knew that that was a place that I could fly planes and go to school for free. And I was like, that, that sounds like I can do that. Um, and from there, I got a one helicopter flight while I was at the academy and that sealed the deal. It's like, I'm, I want to fly helicopters because flying around at 100 feet off the ground is is a pretty awesome experience, especially when you have no idea what's going on. Right. So learning how to do it is pretty cool. That's, again, that just just sounds, it sounds cool. It, it just, it, like I said, it, it just makes me want to get out there and, and do that. <laughs> Something like that. Go hop in a plane. It's fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, you talked about your running journey kind of, you know, trying to stay fit, you know, once you got older, which I think a lot of people relate to, like, that's, I feel like a pretty common thing. Like we, you know, people get, get into running maybe in high school and then it's like, well, I'm not good enough to run in college. Like, absolutely not, <laughs> you know, so, so what am I going to do, do now? And, um, I guess, what was it about the original, like starting up and, not not in trails at first that you were just kind of like oh man this this isn't for me um mostly i was running in alabama which is where the helicopter training is like at the very beginning for air force and army down at fort rucker and it was just miserable <laughs> like i would go out and i would run three miles and i would come back and like you could wring out your shirt and Ugh. i was just wasn't having any fun um so i i did a little bit um, there was like an app, like run zombies run, I think that you would like listen oh, to, it was like right. telling you a story while you were running. So I was trying that 
And I don't know, until I got here and I actually went for a hike on La Luz and I was like, okay, now this, this I could do. Except I heard there was a a run the next week that people were running from the bottom to the top. And I was like, they run? Are you sure? (laughs) Like, I don't know about that. Uh, So that was, once I started seeing like what you could do with running versus just grinding it out on the roads and kind of suffering, which is how I felt not being fit and trying to start running. Uh, it that was more motivational than just like oh yeah go get some miles and no no thank you <laughs> well and I, I feel like a lot of people would feel the opposite way of like like what you're saying like oh you want to run up la loose from the bottom to the top like no i'll just give me three miles on the road and i'm good like, <laughs> fast like yeah i mean i certainly didn't run la loose the first time i tried to hike it i had like a like I was backpacking and camping or something. I had enough gear on my back to last me a day or two. Um, and I, I honestly didn't do any trail running when I was here back in 2014. Uh, but I saw that it was possible. Um, I think that motivated me. Actually, my friends would, would give me a hard time if I didn't tell the story. So actually, do you know Jim Walmsley? Yes. Yeah. Pro ultra runner. Yeah. Um, so he has a background in the Air Force, was at the right. Air Force Academy at the same time as me. It was actually in Montana at the same time as me. I, I you know, um, you're saying that, and I like when you talked about being in Montana. Like that's the first thing that came to my head. I'm like, that seems weird to just bring it up. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he he had some issues in the Air Force and ran into trouble and was getting kicked out. And he's told his story plenty of times. If anyone's interested, he's right. he's an amazing guy, and I think he's you know made a really positive impact in the world of ultra running, especially. Um, but he Absolutely. happened to be in the process of getting kicked out of the air force basically. And he was stuck doing uh, PT test administrating. So he was like watching people take their PT tests and scoring them. Um, and someone who was at the same PT test as my, as me was complaining about the run and how it was you know, too hard or they didn't like it. And he just was like, I could run this in seven minutes right now in uniform, in my boots. How about you stop complaining? And I was like, this guy's this guy's full of it. There's like, come on, dude. Like, who are you giving this PT test? And right. he had his name tag on, so I looked him up afterward, and I'm like, this guy can run faster than me up a mountain, like, <laughs> than I can on flat ground. This guy's insane. Um, so I started following ultra running because of that, and having seen well, the Well Lose Trail Run, and those two things. Like, I started trying it out, and there was a trail near my house in Montana. And yeah, the rest is history, but finding out that like there are real people who can do, you know, five minute miles on the craziest trails you've ever seen are just like, it's inspirational for sure. Right. Right. Like it's, it's, um, I mean, I, I love following the, the, you know, track and field and marathons and all that. And, and the, what people are doing and it is amazing. You know, Boston just recently, like some of the performances were just so awesome to see but it yeah it's something else like watching these ultras whether it's you know the, the guy who just did it around the track um for the i think it's the 100k 100k yeah the like yeah. I think he's polish or eastern european yeah like yeah. just like, 540s for 100k <laughs> that's insane like <laughs> yep it, it is just insane like it's like how i I, I, it's just hard to even wrap your mind around. And then, like you said, yeah, you've got people out there who they're in a trail run and they hit a good stretch and they're just flying and they're average. And, and it's just, 
it, it is like it's so inspirational and it's just like you know no i don't have to be like what they're doing but i can if they can do that i i should be able to do something yeah absolutely i can get out there and like you know run my nine minute miles and be really happy about it yeah <laughs> so how did you do on that pt test then did you have to do that so i did poor enough that when i combined that with knowing who administered the pt test that i was slightly embarrassed and that i i i'm not going to say that's the only reason i signed up for that marathon but it's definitely on the list of like hey i, I think i need to get in shape and this seems like a really fun way to do it so <laughs> so how did you um i were you doing this when you started and, and you kind of started following wansley and you were you know intrigued by this whole thing and the law loose like did you find a group out in Montana? Were you doing this by yourself? How did that go? Well, I was pretty much solo in Montana. There were a few running groups, um, but they like, you know, Wednesday evenings at like 730 or something like that. Um, I, most, most running groups in the Air Force schedule don't usually line up uh, <laughs> necessarily. Um, so I was pretty much solo the whole time. I had a few friends who would come on runs with me. Um, one friend in particular who would like, we, when we did a, there's a, a mountain out there, Highwood Baldy, that we would run up. Um, he did that a time or two with me. Um, but I was, for the most part, by myself, um, le learning the ropes and just like watching YouTube basically and watching race reports and seeing how the, the cool things that people did in training. That's that's awesome. I mean, that takes a lot of motivation to get out there and, and, and train by yourself. And there's plenty of people who do it, but it's, it takes a lot to you know make sure that you're you're holding yourself accountable. Yeah, I I much prefer having friends that I can text about running and like yeah. I was actually just texting my my running group trying to coordinate tomorrow morning like hey can we do a, a shuttle and like move some cars around so I can run part of the route for the watermelon 100 and like hey is it cool if we get up at like five o'clock tomorrow like and they're like yeah like where are we running uh, yeah. so it's it's awesome to have people who hold you accountable and just get out there with you it makes it so much more fun. Yeah, I, I can, I, I mean, I know that, you know, obviously from experience and there's, there's something to be said about those runs with on your own and, and all of that, but sometimes it's just, you need that group or you need that person with you again, whether they show up or, or they're just messaging you like how that run go today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, was it, so you went, you were in Montana and then it was Colorado Springs after that? Uh, so Colorado Springs is where the academy is. Um, oh, so right, from right. Montana, I came straight here um, back in July of 2018. Um, so we, when we first started looking here, I basically told my wife, Erin, like, hey, if we don't live on the east side touching the trails, I'm just going to spend time run commuting to the trails. So can we live on the east side? <laughs> uh, and it worked out great for us. Uh, I can get to dirt in like a quarter mile and to an actual trailhead in like a half mile. So. I'm in, I'm exactly where I wanted to be in terms of that. Um, and we've loved the neighborhood and the area. So it's worked out. Oh, well, that's great. That's <laughs> great motivation to look on that side too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not usually how you should look for a house. Um, now that I have my, my kids are school age. Now we, you know, looking in DC, we're like, Oh, where are the schools? Where's the nice neighborhood? Right. And then I have to check Strava and see like, are there any running routes nearby? <laughs> Uh, versus coming here, it was like, no, we're we're going to the trails right now. So. Right, right. You, you have to you have to check those uh, 
those routes and see, okay, what's what's popular, what are what are yep. people like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just check the heat maps, see where the yeah. see where the trailheads are. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, is um, you know, as you're kind of looking, is it matching up a little bit between the trails and the schools? Or are you going to have um, a bit of a, a, a run commute to them? <laughs> yeah, I don't think there'll be any like actual single track within like a short running distance. I might be like, hey, run to the trails, run a loop, and then run back. Um, so to get any good trail running, it'll probably be a drive, unfortunately. But yeah, you. I mean, you, you can't beat the Sandias like as. Uh, one of the reasons why this project even exists is just because I feel like the city is so underappreciated for, for the trail access that you have here. I mean, there's what, like six or seven trailheads on one side of the mountain. Yeah. Like go, go out there. You, you, you can't avoid it. Like, do you want to go to copper? Do you want to go to La Luz? Like they're totally different. They feel different. They look different, uh, but it's all the same mountain. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it, there, yeah, like you said, and he, and just even just running along the the foothills, you know, and going north south. I mean, you're still getting you're you're going up and down. You're getting sand. Like there's so many different ways to run it that you. It's just any anybody can get out there and and get something out of it, which is yeah, that's just amazing. So, let's um. Let's talk a little bit about how, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit, but how this project get started? How did you, you know, kind of think this is something you should do? <laughs> um, I mean, it started like most things do. It's just a really bad idea. Um, I love like playing with the route builder on Strava and looking at maps. Um, and I've become known as kind of like the navigator in my group of my running group. Like, oh, like, hey, we need a route, Matt like make a route. Um, so one day I was messing around and just see like, could you run a hundred miles without repeats in the Sandias? Cause it's kind of hard to, it's not really, most of the trails go up mountain, not across the mountain. So it, it is kind of interesting to, to try and make a, a loop without a bunch of overlap. Um, and some, sometimes when you see a hundred mile route and it's like, Oh, that's the same 15 mile loop seven times. And you're like, Whoa, like, I don't know about that. Um, so I wanted to make, I wanted to see if I could make something with no overlap and I did. And it is terrible. Um, <laughs> 100, 102 miles with 30,000 feet of climbing and some of the hardest trails in the Sandias. And so I put it together and I showed all my friends and they're like, yeah, that's pretty silly. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but then this winter as you know, you, you can't really run up high as much. And I started missing it a little bit and thinking about how this summer I'm not going to be able to, like after July, I'm not going to be able to run in the mountains. Um, I should do some like last big, you know, hurrah of a run. Um, and usually we'll do like a crest crossing like I did on my, my birthday in 2020 during COVID um, or the watermelon loop, which is kind of the only true FKT on the mountain uh, that people have actually gone for, um, which like a pro runner came out last year i think and just like ran a 315 when my pr was a 406 and it's just like oh geez uh, this wow. person's good at running um yeah <laughs> but so those are like the only two like iconic runs that everybody you know knows about so i thought why not try this um and then i decided like if i'm going to run 100 miles it's going to have to be a big deal like i'm going to need help i'm going to need support 
I'm not cool enough to like fast pack it and have my own <laughs> like you know ultralight gear. Um, and I know it's going to take me like longer than a race normally would, um, just because of the challenging terrain. So if I'm going to call my parents and have them come out and help and recruit all of my friends to pace me and do all this stuff, like, well, I should I should make something out of it. Um, so when I thought about it, one of uh, one of my running buddies, Bryce Montano. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, he's a, just a local runner, uh, but he had mentioned like doing trail work and had talked about uh, some weekend that he was going to go do that. And I was like, oh man, like I've never, never done that. And then there was an outside online article that circulated a, a year or two ago. that's like trail runners never help the mountain. It's all mountain bikers doing the trail maintenance. <laughs> um, so with those ideas in my head, I was like, oh, like I should find a trail maintenance group and do a fundraiser for them. Um, and that was kind of the, the basic idea, like run the route, do a fundraiser. And then I decided if I'm going to do all of that, if I make a video, maybe people would like to, to see the Sandias on YouTube and like check it out. Because compared to other like cities like Boulder or uh, Salt Lake City, our YouTube or our like video presence is almost non-existent here, which is so sad. Yeah. Um, so like I think Sage Candidate did a video like eight years ago here like running on the lose and that's like the biggest way to find the sandias on the internet which is just kind of sad um and i have no experience making videos or films of any kind lots yeah. of experience <laughs> watching them on youtube but that's about it uh, so i figured i'd give it a try and see what i could do um, so those three pieces kind of came together and then the organization fossum uh friends of the sandia mountains i i basically just googled trail maintenance organizations in New Mexico. And there were four or five of them, but FOSM just stood out as they've been around since 97. They have, you know, 200 active members. Um, they do trail maintenance every week. They have this down tree tracker that they have on their website that is kind of hilarious from a trail running perspective. Like if you go on there and you check your route, you can see if there's going to be down trees on your route ahead of time because they, wow. they have, they have, what do they call like trail rangers who just they don't really participate in the trail clearing but they'll post on the the spreadsheet and say hey there's a down tree two miles up this trail and then when fossum goes out and clears it they mark like hey we took down the tree on this day and it's good to go wow and like who who does that it's awesome <laughs> um so as soon as i saw their website and read their stuff i was like okay this group is going to be um like a, a great candidate to to fundraise for um and then I got in touch with them back in February or March, and it's been a lot of conversation back and forth to figure out like what the plan was and how best I could help them. Um, I think they were a little surprised that someone wanted to fundraise for them with no like ulterior motive. Like I'm moving, I don't want your money. Yeah. Like I want to go try and see if I can run 100 miles, and I'm going to try and use the attention for you guys. So they've been super supportive, if a little surprised, um, and they've been great. Like I've, I've done some interviews with some of their members and like, they think that the project's really cool and they love the Sandias. Like most of them have lived here their, almost their whole lives. Like it's, or at least longer than I've been alive. <laughs> uh, so it's, been, it's a great organization to work for. And they are basically the, the volunteer arm of the forest service here in Albuquerque. They did 15,000 volunteer hours last year during the pandemic. Wow. And the, this forest service was quoted as saying they're like seven or eight full-time employees, like just in the Sandias, which the forest service can't afford. I think they have like five. 
Um, so they're like doubling their workforce just by being awesome volunteers. That's... So getting a fundraiser for them has been fun. Yeah, well, that's 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 fantastic, and that's amazing. And I think it can be easy for people who, you know, like like being in the Air Force, where it's you're you're moving so often, it can be hard to kind of really connect with the community, and to to not only that you found a connection through the running, but also now like trying to make it kind of better for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I. Great. I really hadn't like made it, like I made my connections with my friends, but you're, I think you're absolutely right. Like we, not that the military is bad about it, but that's just, it's just hard when you, you know, you're only going to be here for four years. It's not fun to leave friends and like close relationships behind. So if you just stay with your military friends and, you know, participate in the community when you want to, but not giving back all that much, that's, that's the easy way. And that's definitely what I was doing. Um, so I'm really glad I decided to do this project and I've met a bunch of cool people and hopefully in the long term will be better for the Sandias. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously I hope so as well. And I mean, it's, uh, it, to me, it, it, it feels, I don't know, maybe a little bit more important, you know, trying to protect and do what we can for the Sandias right here when we're seeing everything that's happening up in, in Northern New Mexico and you know with the fires and and all the trails and the homes and the destruction that's that's going on up there it it really definitely seems like this is <laughs> extra important that we're we're making sure that we're we're providing the some resources for the people out there who want to be out there and and helping and and doing things that are you know beneficial for for the mountain and for all of us absolutely so I, you know, I want to go back a little bit and and talk about, um, you know, maybe your first trail experience. What was the first, not not necessarily run, but what's the first race that you decided like, okay, like, I'm not I'm not just gonna train on these. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just I'm gonna run, <laughs> like race. Um, so the first marathon I signed up for was like I said, like a half trail, half road. Um, up in Whitefish, Montana, and that was that was an awesome experience. I there's Great Falls, Montana is a great place, but it doesn't have a lot of good mountain access. Um, it's kind of out in the plains; you have to drive a fair distance to go like into the mountains. Um, but after I had done that race, my wife was at MSU uh, Montana State doing her masters, and I went down um, one weekend over the summer when she was there, kind of doing summer school. And I did a run in the Bridger Mountains, which there's a uh, there's a run called the Bridger Ridge Run, which is one of the, the first breakout races that Walmsley had in the trail running scene, where it was you like run up to the top of a ridge and then it's like a 18 mile, basically on the ridge the whole way, just a gorgeous run. And I had seen that and I was like, I should try that out, like just to see, like that's way more intense than any of the trails I had been doing where I was, and that was the toughest dumbest thing like my <laughs> wife my wife can tell you she waited in the car for an extra half hour or 40 minutes from the time i thought i was going to get there because everything was harder than i thought it was going to be but at the end of it i was like yeah that's like that's the kind of challenge that i want um so when i when i got back i started signing up for the races that i had available up there which was a 30k i think was the first like true trail race that i did um i think the 
shoot, Jim Bridger trail runs. Um, super cool, tiny race, like at one trailhead, you know, everybody pulls up in their Subarus and it's raining outside and you run up and you glissade down some snow. Uh, like a really <laughs> true, like small town trail race. Um, yeah. And then I, I signed up for Mount Taylor um, the first year I moved here or coming into the move to kind of motivate me to stay, keep going while I was moving and doing all that. And that, I think that sealed the deal. Like there was no question after that, that I was going to run ultras until I wasn't allowed to anymore. Um, <laughs> whether physically or who knows what happens right. in life, but like until I, until I can't, um, ultra running is where it's at. Even though I, you know, cramped at mile 20 and the last 10 miles were the worst thing ever. <laughs> For some reason I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, that's, that's the, you know, any, anytime I talk to a trail runner and ultra runner, like it's, it's always that, yeah, I'm, that was horrible. I'm never doing that again, but I signed up for this one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I signed up for Sage Peak right after that. And I was like, yeah. all right, let's try not to cramp this time. It didn't yeah. work, but I got better. <laughs> yeah. That was horrible, but I did this wrong. So I'm going to, I'm going to try this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, you learn so much every time you have a bad race. Um, I know that's true. Like at a 5k, um, a bad race can feel much worse when you have 15 miles to go and you're walking um, than if you're, you know, hurting badly in a 5K. Uh, right. There's a lot more time for suffering. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And and it's, uh, and I've said this before, you know, it's just, it's a different thing as well. Like when you're on a 5K, 5K and you're, walking because you're dying and someone comes by you they may say like hey you got this good job like but when you're on a ultra and you're out there like people are coming up like oh do you need water do you need a gel i've got this how can i help you you know like it's just a whole other feeling because everybody knows that feeling especially like you said when you've got like you know 15 miles and that might even just be to the next aid station not much less the finish. <laughs> not to the finish yeah. I, everyone I know who's run an ultra has had a terrible race experience. Um, so like every, like you said, everyone knows what that feels like to be the guy on the side of the trail or like you, you hear someone coming behind you and you step off cause you know, they're going to be going faster yeah. than you. Um, everyone knows that feeling. So when you go by somebody like that, yeah. What, what do you need? And can I get you to the next aid station? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great community. It, it really is. It's, it's, um, it's it's fantastic and going back to those early ones you know what were you doing has your nutrition changed you know since then yes uh, i'm still like i mean i've only been doing this for four years and i feel like there's like maybe a 10-year learning curve on ultras i'm hoping i'm hoping the learning curve continues um i've definitely gotten better mostly it's just starting earlier um you know if you go out and you train a 20 mile run, you might eat, you know, three or four gels. The first 20 miles of a 50 K that you're racing, like you should have almost twice that. Like, so I needed to just be, be starting earlier, be more aggressive with my hydration. Um, I always, you always hear stories of people like, Oh, my stomach went South and I couldn't eat any more food. So I'm always, at least when I was first starting, I was always worried about doing too much. I've never eaten too much during a race. <laughs> it's never <laughs> happened. I've never made it. Uh, one one day I'll eat so much that I feel like I have to throw up, and then I'll be like, "Oh, okay, here we are." Uh, but for the most part, it's just been being behind. Um, and then for the cramping, I 
I kind of have come to believe that it's more of a strength and in like a durability thing than necessarily a like pure nutrition. Like, yeah, if you don't have any electrolytes, you're probably going to cramp. Um, but if you're doing okay on that and you still run too hard and, you know, blow out your quads on a downhill and then try and push the next climb, you're going to cramp like, sorry. Um, <laughs> so, so just more running, more training, being more, more comfortable in that state of kind of beat upness. Um, I, I haven't cramped in my last two races, knock on wood, and my nutrition definitely hasn't been perfect. So I think there's an improvement there, both just like longevity, how much, how many lifetime miles do you have in your legs? Right. Um, I see a lot more like 30 year olds cramping on ultra runs than I do like the 60 year olds who are still passing you with three miles to go. And I don't know <laughs> who they are, where they came from and how they're so good at their job. <laughs> uh, th- those guys seem to have it figured out and i think lifetime miles and just experience is a big part of it yeah absolutely uh that makes sense (laughs) is this uh is this the first time you've done a hundred yes um so i've done two fifties i finished one um and then i i really am not interested currently in the idea of racing a hundred um which sounds really silly because I'm about to do like basically as hard a hundred as you can without it being like hard rock or trying to like do well at Western States or something like, or Wasatch, I guess is similar. Um, like 30,000 feet of climbing is big, especially for a U.S. ultra. Um, but the, you know, the, the big hundred milers, like I, I don't have that kind of time really. Um, and I know I don't have the miles in my legs. Like I know that racing a 50 mile or a hundred K is just as fun and would be a better experience. Um, but the, in this particular instance, a hundred miles makes way more sense than anything else because it's, that gets more attention, I guess. And it, it looks cool. Yeah. Uh, so we're here for the style points. And if I don't finish, that'll be my own fault. So, <laughs> well, you mentioned, and I want to get back to, this hundred miles and the watermelon project, but you mentioned, like you said, you don't have that kind of time. So, you know, obviously air force takes up a large majority. You talked about being a father, you have a wife. How do you train for, you know, these ultras for something like this, you know, with those other obligations, cause it can be hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, luckily my wife is as supportive as you could reasonably ask someone to be of me spending multiple hours a weekend um, doing this. And then a lot of early mornings is probably the best answer. Um, for the most part on weekends, I'm getting up between four and five to get my miles in. Uh, this morning, I think I was left the house at 5.45 for a 14 miler, which isn't that long. And it wasn't like up a mountain or anything, but it's still... 5:45 on a Saturday morning isn't when I used to wake up. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, during during the week, I used to like a year or two ago do a lot of night running. So put the kids to bed, make sure Aaron's good to go, and then you know leave the house for a night run. Um, I found that that really wasn't good for me. Um, actually, my my coach is David Roach, who does uh, some work all play athletic group. Uh, if you know who they are. Yes. Um, He's an awesome ultra runner, a great coach. Um, I started with him back in, shoot, 2019, I think. So it's been three years, um, I think this month, actually. And 
at one point he was basically told me, stop running at night. You just need to stop it. Um, I am notoriously not flexible and have tightness issues and cramping issues and running in the morning and then having the whole day to stretch out and recover and occasionally grab the Theragun or a foam roller to take care of yourself a little bit before you spend the night in bed has just been an absolute life changer. Um, so getting up early, running most of my miles, like in the dark, honestly, especially during the winter. Um, I probably have more head headlight miles so far this year than I do daytime miles, which kind of stinks. Um, but I get the miles in and hope, hopefully have like reduced impact on the family. Um, most of the time I can figure out a way to not impact. It, it usually ends up looking pretty weird. Um, like this last weekend I ran in Flagstaff cause we had a family vacation. We had a bunch of friends. We had 10 kids in the same house. It was a, an absolute madhouse. And I got up at four in the morning and I ran towards the Grand Canyon. And at eight 30, after everyone had breakfast, they drove towards the Grand Canyon and picked me up on the side of the highway. Um, wow. <laughs> but I, I got my 24 miles in and they didn't have to get up at four in the morning and right. <laughs> they only missed me for a few hours rather than me like leaving during the middle of the day or something like that. So right. anyway, I can reduce the impact on the family, um, is usually what I go for. That makes sense. And I, I feel you on those night miles. Like I've done it here and there and not a lot. And, you know, it seems like that's like the easiest, like, choice mm-hmm. and waking up early is not fun <laughs> so, especially indeed but man it just it it throws off your sleep more than waking up early i feel you know it just oh, really yeah yeah i know there's some science behind it and just for me it's the recovery like when i lay down in bed after a run at 11 o'clock and i like finish my run shower and get in bed you can just feel it like your legs are like this is not going to be good. And you wake up the next morning and you're like, surprise, it's not good. Uh, but if you, if you can force yourself to get out of bed and get your run in, um, and then, you know, you walk around all day and get out of your office chair a few times, you end up feeling so much better by the time the evening comes. And then you can actually relax in the evening and hydrate and hang out with your family and not be thinking like, Oh, I can't eat too big of a dinner. Cause I have a workout or, Oh, I can't drink too much because then my stomach will be full. Like, yeah, you can just actually focus on being home and present, which is nice. Yeah, no, that and that's that's yeah, that's how I was I went through that. And I wasn't doing long miles; I was getting <laughs> three, maybe five tops, and it was like, mm-hmm. you know, earlier dinners, and then I'd finish up, and then I'd want something else because, like, after you act, you know, after you're exercising, like, you got to put, you know, put some more fuel in, like. Just everything was just out of whack and yeah it's <laughs> i i morning more, is the I'm, way to go yeah I'm, I'm probably more of a morning person anyway but <laughs> it's um yeah i i yeah <laughs> so you you talked about you know having your friends out there pacing you and running with you how often are people going to be coming in and out of this run with you? Um, if it all goes to plan, hopefully I won't run alone the whole time. That would be like best case scenario. Um, I've got a list of like 15 or 16 people that are have offered to run or have shown interest in the past or whatever. Um, and a lot of people are going to have you know family stuff in the times 
are pretty specific. Like if you want to run this leg, it's going to be from two in the morning to, you know, 6 AM. So <laughs> come on out. Um, and that's I'm hoping to have, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to have like my, my running club will definitely all be out there at various times. Um, and then my family members on some of the easier flatter sections will be helping out. Um, and then if, if there's a few legs where I don't have somebody, um, it's not a big deal. The longest section of the 100 is 14 and change um, without an aid station. I think there's two that are pretty close to that. Um, but then for the most part, it's you know 10 miles or less for, for each section. So it'll, there'll be a lot of changeover. So hopefully no one has to you know put in a, a big, huge effort um, and not be able to help or like feel like they're holding me back, which is unlikely because I'm going to be, I'm not expecting to be too quick uh, at any <laughs> given point. <laughs> Well, with, I mean, that much elevation, that sounds, yeah, I <laughs> can't imagine too quick. <laughs> yeah. Every time I run 20 miles, I tell myself if I'm less than 6,000 feet, then that's less vert than every 20 miles of the, the route will have. So that that's kind of my motivation to run really steep 20-mile runs, just wow. so I can say, okay, five times that, and then you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what is your, uh, you know, you said you made this map and everything. What is kind of the basics of it? Like, where are you starting? Where are you, where are you going? I'm doing a counter or a clockwise loop starting at the tram. Um, so that's like the, the most, the simplest way to describe it. Yeah. Um, and then if you, if you think about every climb, that you've heard of on the Sandias with the exception of Dominga Baca, I probably run it. So in quick order, the first half of La Luz, Piedra Lisa, Agua Sarca, um, Osha Spring. I go down Chimney and then up the top half of La Luz, um, down the ski resort, then back up the ski resort on the switchbacks, like the mountain bike trails. Right. Um, over to Faulty Trail, which is probably the most unique part of the mountain, because for about 10 miles, there's like Faulty Trail, and that's it, and there's no way in and no way out, um, which is kind of the only place that exists on the on the Sandias. Um, and then I go up CCC, down Hawk Watch, over by Three Gun, um, which most people consider like not even a hiking trail, let alone a running trail. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, and then up Three Guns, and then on the once I come back to the west side of the mountain, it's pretty normal. Up Whitewash, down Embudido, up Oso Ridge, down Pino, and then to the tram. Basically, every named trail with yeah. a big climb on the Sandias you hit. <laughs> oh, that sounds like horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the guy. Who, yeah. Uh, I mean, I keep telling myself it's. People call me crazy in a good way, or it's terrible in a good way. Uh, the guy who wrote the hiking guide to the Sandias, his name's Mike Coltrane. I got to meet him, did an interview, um, and we kind of like walked through the route. And there were a few times he just looked at me like, are you sure that's what you want to do? <laughs> uh, the most notable one is, so Oso Ridge, I don't know if you've ever done that climb. Uh, it starts at the Embudito Trailhead and goes up the ridge just north of Embudito, uh, okay. all the way to, to the South Crest Trail. And it has probably the steepest or the second steepest part of the entire mountain 
I call it the vertical forest because someone said that once and it sounded cool. Um, but basically, you go through the cliff wall at a big break in it where there's a, a forest growing on the west side. Um, and it's at mile 83 to 90 or so. Wow. And it's like probably in the top three hardest climbs on the on the route. He's like, are you sure you want that at the end? Well, to end at the tram, yeah, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> Getting Going to and from the tram made the most sense because it's just like the easiest access. So like if anyone right. wants to, to watch me finish, like that's an easy spot to do it. It's not out of the way. You don't have to like drive up a dirt road or something silly. So. Right. And did you ever consider doing this loop backwards? Yes. Um, and there's a lot of ways that that would be better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although you would have to climb Hawkwatch and Chimney instead of going down them. So yeah. it, you know, take it or leave it, I guess. Um, to be completely honest, my least favorite trail on the entire mountain is leaving the tram going north. The It's like the La Luz connector. Um, and right. a lot of people like hike it. It's actually one of the first I ever hiked because I parked at the tram, hiked to La Luz, and then rode the tram back down. Uh, but that trail is just awful. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> it. And I don't know why. Like, it's not that steep. It's not that... It is kind of technical. There's like rocky sections and lots of turns, but I just don't enjoy running it all that much. Um, <laughs> so I made it. I put it first. I, I was in charge, so I got to pick. Yeah. Um, get it out and of I'd way. rather do that at the beginning. Uh, unfortunately, it makes like the, my third probably least favorite part of the trail be the very last section. The <laughs> you know the the water tanks above the tram. Oh uh, there's yeah. Those. So you come from the south like up that arroyo. To the water tanks and then run down the road into the into the tram parking i don't like that climb either but it's not as bad as the uh the one going north from the tram <laughs> well like you said you got to create it so that's that's yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in charge so i get to pick where the crappy parts go yeah <laughs> you think anybody will uh follow in your footsteps and uh and and do it after sometime after you i hope so um there's one of the people who's pacing me actually she has said that that this is like if if this goes well or like she thinks it looks cool like she's gonna try it um so i really hope she does there's a few routes like the wonderland trail is a loop of mount rainier um and an, an ultra runner named gary robbins um just made a film last year called the big chill and it's a hundred mile route in chilliwack british columbia that he made kind of in the same like hey, can these trails connect? Let's try it yeah. uh, kind of mindset. So those, those inspirations, like it would be so cool if people were like, oh, I need to go to the Sandias to run this Watermelon 100. It might be too stupid of a route for someone to want that. <laughs> it might be, I don't know. Um, but ultra runners are notorious for saying stuff like, oh yeah, like no one's ever going to do that again. And then someone comes out and does it twice as fast because they can. Right. So <laughs> if I make it sound really hard, maybe that'll inspire like, people who are good at running um, to actually come out and try it. Yes. My personal goal is 40 hours is like my A goal. And then before sunset on Sunday, which would be like 48 or 49 hours is my, my B goal. Um, but if someone who was like good came out, like you could probably do it in around 24 hours pretty reasonably. Um, if you had you know, like hard rock experience and were like an above average, like semi-professional trail runner, which is not me. <laughs> that's still, that just sounds 
Sounds silly. <laughs> yeah. That's, most people I know that know anything about running think it's pretty silly. So Yeah. But that's but like like you said, like it just 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 in such a good way. <laughs> yeah. You keep telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just it's it's you know, it's again it's for a good cause and everything, but like you said, it's just you know, do something big, it brings attention to it. I mean definitely I feel like you, you hooked my attention, you know, and I think that there's other people who are, who, you know, see this and like, what, why? Like, <laughs> well, all right. I mean, I, I want to see how this turns out. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully okay. throw some money towards the friends at the Sendia mountains. Yeah. If, if somebody says, you know, Hey, I'll, I bet I can beat your time. Here's a hundred dollars. Perfect. Yeah. And so I did see you, you did put up, uh, I think one, one video so far. Like um, I've put up a few, I, okay. the intro is the one that's gotten the most like traction or views, like a hundred and something. Um, but yeah. I've done two route previews and then two interview videos okay. uh, with some so awesome I, members. Okay. And so I think I saw, yeah, so I saw the, I saw the intro and then I, um, I don't think I saw the other one. So I'll have to go back and check those out. Um, and what's, what's a good way for people who want to check those out? Like where, how do we find it on YouTube? What do we search? So watermelon 100 project on YouTube or Facebook are the two easiest. Um, and those both have links to, to the GoFundMe that the fundraiser is hosted at. Um, Instagram's a bit weird. It's fluke city track club, um, which is run by one of my buddies, Derek Metzger. Um, and he basically, I send him the posts that I'm putting on Facebook and he makes them look nicer on Instagram <laughs> um, to save me from doing some of the social media for this. Uh, but those are the three big places. Um, and then on Fossum's website, so if you are interested in checking them out, they have actually put um, a guy named Cliff Giles. He does a lot of their webmaster stuff. He's basically been tracking my long runs and taking the GPX files and like posting them on the page so you can see the, the training I'm doing for the route. Oh, wow. Um, so most of the training I've been doing is on the route itself, like trying to get certain sections knocked out just for practice. Um, so he's been highlighting those and putting them on the website, which is pretty cool. That's, that's pretty, that is really cool. Actually, I did not, I think I did see a post on that, but I never went and checked it out. So those are awesome places and I'll make sure and put links to those, you know, in the description here as well. So people can check it out. Um, awesome. Or, you know, for when you're getting ready to run or even after, you know, people can go back and look at it and be like, all right, well then that's what I'm going to do. Or that's. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the website that does FKTs, I think it's like fastestknowntime.org or something like that. I, I definitely plan on posting the whole route like in its entirety um, on there. So like usually for like, longer routes, they ask for like a full description of like what the route is. So I'll do a little write up and, post it on there so hopefully that'll attract people who see a new hundred mile route pop up on the uh or if they filter for too much vert they'll they'll find it right <laughs> and so what what are you using to to take the video like are you taking like is it a little camera do you have a gopro what's how's that working so i have a gopro um i actually kind of got it for this project or with this project in mind um so i've been practicing filming with it Mainly the reason I've made any videos so far is just so I can learn how to use it. Um, and then I also have a drone that I've had for a while. Um, 
just a, like a fun hobby. Um, but now I get to use it to, to do some running filming, which is pretty cool. Um, so those are the two big pieces for the interviews that I've been doing. I, my wife is a professional photographer, so she has a, a very nice camera that I've been stealing nice. uh, to, <laughs> to film to film interviews. Um, and then she'll probably be doing some filming and picture taking on the day with that. Um, but it'll be mostly a GoPro video. Nice, nice. I've been toying with a little, an older GoPro, just, it's, they're just kind of fun. <laughs> it, it. Yeah, I, I had an old one and it was enjoyable. The new ones and the st stabilization that you can get um, is so nice. Like rather than your running footage being all shaky cam, um, you can actually make it look kind of decent um, without carrying a heavy gimbal or any like battery activated stuff. Yeah, that's they they uh, the the videos I've seen like comparing like the different GoPros. You know, because I have been interested in them, it's been kind of like, man, that is like just smooth. <laughs> so much smoother than even like two generations ago. The new ones are so nice. And it, it weighs like nothing, like less than a pound. Yeah. And they're super lightweight and just, yeah, I like, I, I've, I've kind of had some of the same thoughts as you. I, I think that there is definitely a bit of a lack of, um, video content for the Sandias for a lot of Albuquerque running, really. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, it's a, again, it's another, how much time do you have to do these different things and edit things together? It takes, I mean, the first few times I ran with a GoPro, I got to the end of the run and like either hadn't filmed or had like two clips. And I was like, oh, like, I probably have to like focus on getting footage yeah. if that's what I want to do in the long run. Like I, I have to practice. What do you see that looks cool or what could I talk about at this moment? Um, right. the, I actually, one video got uploaded today and it's the first one that I like point the camera at myself and talk to it, um, which all the pros on YouTube make look super natural and easy and they say right. cool stuff. And I point the camera at myself and like I edit out like two thirds of what I say because <laughs> no one cares. Um, maybe, maybe they're doing that too and they just like are better at editing than I am um, yeah <laughs> but it it's super awkward and time consuming and when you're done with the run you're not done because you have to transfer your footage and charge your GoPro and get it on the computer mm -hmm. and then if you let it sit for a week then you have three runs worth of video and you haven't done anything with it yeah yeah it's, I've... <laughs> I knew this was going to be tough when I started but this is it's been a lot um it's been a lot of learning too. It's been a lot of fun. Like I've never, I've never tried to make the videos that I watch on YouTube and now I'm trying to do that. So it's, right. it's definitely an enjoyable experience when the, when the time isn't terrible. Right. Well, I think, you know, like to your point on that, like it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, just the project in itself is a lot of fun, right? Like you're trying to do something, you're trying to push yourself, you're trying to do it, do it for this group. And so there's a, like a lot of excitement and fun and like, can I do this? That's, that's associated with that. And then at the same time, trying to learn this other like new skill, which in itself can be fun and exciting, but when you're combining them, it's like, it, I, I, I know that it can be overwhelming. <laughs> it's, and I'm also, we just sold our house and we're trying to buy a new house and we're planning yeah. a move and I still have a day job. Yeah. It, it's right. all, 
Well, and like the, we the talked kids about and all that stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, before we started recording, like we had soccer this morning at 10. So I, that's why I got up early to, to get my miles in. So it all adds up and it's definitely more work than I thought it was going to be when I started. Um, but that's just me not knowing what I was getting myself into. I probably could have done with either the fundraiser or the run or a film about the Sandias. E- either any of those three would have been fine. Yeah. Even maybe just two of them. <laughs> yeah. Pick two. No, nope, here we are. <laughs> go big or go home, right? <laughs> you know, it that I'll I'll take that as a motto. Like this is it's not the easiest hundred miles you could run. It's not the the easiest way to like I could have just given some money to to Fossum um not as much as I've raised we've raised 4,500 so far which is more than I would have donated I think uh yeah. <laughs> but, like I could have just I could have just donated money uh right you know I could have just you know used my GoPro and taken some cool trail footage on the Sandias uh, but we're going big and we'll see what yeah. see if it works out I, you you could have just done you know like you talked about you know uh south crest to north crest you know and just just done across and you know but this is this is so unique and amazing and um like i said it it has me intrigued i'm excited i hope the people that are listening get excited about it and um i'm assuming that the fundraising doesn't end on the day that you finish will it continue Correct. Past the day? so i think we'll leave it open um until i actually air the film um, I haven't gotten there yet because like we just talked about, there's a few things going on. Um, right. <laughs> but op- optimistically, I'd love to show it in a place where Fossum can come watch and like local Albuquerque runners could. So like a local sports store or I don't know, some, somewhere that is willing to show a film for free and have people come check it out. Um, the, the biggest thing that honestly the biggest hurdle of this whole project has been making sure the forest service is good with it because you're filming in a wilderness and there's a bunch of rules and regulations. Right. So I, I can't make any money off of the film on purpose. Um, so if I can find someone who's willing to like do it for free or not ask for any money or send me any money um, because the fundraiser and the film can't make money, whatever that means from a, like a federal <laughs> perspective. Um, so yeah. as long as it's all donations all the time, it's good. But as soon as someone starts like making a profit, then it's illegal. Um, so hopefully I can find someone to show it and that, that will probably be when the, the fundraiser would officially end. Awesome. Well, hopefully there's somebody listening to this that's like, <laughs> Oh, I know somebody or I can do it or, you know, and, and they can, uh, reach out to you and, or reach out, you know, on, on the Facebook, on, yeah, uh, Fluke City, on Instagram, you know, um, you know, and, and YouTube, whatever, however they reach out to you. <laughs> mm. And, and, uh, you know, we can make this happen. Cause awesome. I, I think, like I said, it's, I think this is pretty amazing. Thanks. Yeah. So I think, I think that's a great spot to kind of wrap up for today. Um, thanks again for, for being, being able to take some time away from, you know, being a parent and training and editing videos and your day job and, (laughs) you know, the list and list and list. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, uh, I'll ask you the last question I ask anybody and that's just, you know, what are you listening to, to, to get you going, get you motivated, getting you up at 4am or 
you know, in, in a helicopter having fun. <laughs> so my, my musical case is fairly eclectic, I think. Um, but right now my early morning runs are sponsored by birdie, which is slightly embarrassing to admit, I think, <laughs> um, super chill, great vocals. I can zone out really easy. Um, honestly my last like three long runs that i've listened to music i'm I'm mostly not a music like listener while running but in this case birdie has done me a lot of good on the the crest trail so <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah and sometimes you, in those early mornings you don't want something too too loud because your body's still waking up too so nice amount i get that i get that i'm not amped when i'm climbing yeah. at five in the morning in the dark <laughs> I don't, oh. I don't need any excitement. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so that's, that's awesome. And, and again, thanks again for your time. I don't know if we mentioned, but you're doing this, uh, starting May 13th and, um, hoping to end on the 15th. Yep. Um, yeah. Starting 8 PM on the 13th, running into the first night, and then hopefully it will be done with the sun up on Sunday. Awesome. So I'll be, uh, trying to keep track and, I'm excited for you and, and hopefully other people are. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Um, I'd really just like to thank Fossum um, for just being an awesome organization to work with. I've never done this before and they've been super supportive the whole way. Um, I know I'm you know donating money to them so they might as well be <laughs> supportive, but they've been more helpful than they need to be at every step of the way. So they're an awesome organization, well worthy of your donations. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time, and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at Mexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.